And Philadelphia wins at 117-110 as the Raptors kick off their road trip with a losing effort. And I don't know if losing effort is the right way to describe it. Uh, Josh Lewinberg and Javon Shepard, uh, along with me, Jim Taddy, to, to sort of sum this thing up. Uh, it wasn't a losing effort. It was it was a losing performance. The effort was certainly there in the second half, Javon. They outscored Philadelphia 53-40 in that second half. But like so many times, they had such a big hole to climb out of, didn't they? Yeah, and I think in the first half, they relied too much on their offense because they were scoring the basketball um, you know, pretty easily, pretty seamlessly. And then you kind of relax on the defensive end, and you you know at some points you have at some points you have the the you know this Philadelphia team that has three big time scores, and you put too much pressure on your defense, right? I think at half they were shooting about sixty seven percent from the floor. Come on, guys, that's a little bit too much now. Um, and I think that that's the big difference is you put so much pressure on your defense. Yes, and and tonight was one of the nights where they scored the basketball. They didn't shoot the ball from from three the greatest. But they were scoring, right? And and they got a little comfortable with that in the first half. And, and and Philly was just rolling. Then you get to that second half, and you get a couple stops. But at the same time, James Harden gets going. And, you know, they isolated him against Fred a couple times. And, you know, they made some the right reads with Embiid. And it's just a tough hill to to overcome when you get down 24 points and you have to exert that, that amount of energy in the second half to get back. Now, if this is a different team that doesn't have two, you know, all-star caliber players and one MVP type player, sure, you can climb back from that 24-point lead and then use momentum to give you an edge. It's not the same when you have that type of team. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. You're not going to allow 77 points and a half, allow a team to shoot 77% and a half, and win that game very often. I mean, that doesn't happen very often that the defense is as generous as the Raptors was in over the first 24 minutes. And to Javon's point, like, once you put yourself in that position, you basically have to be perfect or pretty close to perfect the rest of the way. And that's tough against a really good Philly team on the road. So there, there's an obvious solution here. It's easier said than done. But the solution is don't put yourself in that spot to begin with. I, I actually thought the start was kind of similar to what we saw a couple days ago against Miami, where the Raptors get off to that shaky start defensively. They call a quick timeout, and then all of a sudden it looked like, okay, well, maybe they've got things together here a little bit. Obviously, Scotty Barnes and his hot start in, in both games, that that was familiar as well. But somewhere, I would say late in the first quarter or early in the second quarter, certainly that slipped away. And again, this Sixers team is so dangerous. Once you, get the, once you let them get on a roll in that building, it's tough to turn off that water, and the Raptors couldn't do that until ultimately it was too late in the third quarter. You know, when it's Philadelphia, so you sort of, uh, I found myself doing this, and maybe it, I was wrong to do it, but you go back to um, last year's playoffs and, and how they got into a hole and, and climbed out of it, very respectable, even though they were eliminated. But you look at Philadelphia, and you look at the Raptors a year later, and clearly Philadelphia's in pretty good shape, and, and the Raptors, it's an uphill climb. Uh, I, I hope I'm not wrong, Javon, to, to look at that that way. How did you see it? Well, yeah, I think you look at the, the prog- progress that both teams have, have made since the last time we've seen them. And I think, you know, last year at this point, Philly was still getting accustomed to j- that move to bring James Harden over, right? He was still yeah. getting acclimated in his, his style of play because it was different, right? Now you're adjusting to not playing with Ky- Kyrie and KD where you're off the basketball. But here, you're on the ball a little more, right? Those pick and roll actions with Embiid, and then you also have 
a bit more space to go, you know, one, four flats and, and, and be express yourself and be a bit more creative. So he's gotten himself going. And we also have to acknowledge that James Harden is, is a multi-time all-star in this, in, in this league. Right. So um, it's just two, it's a stark contrast in, in that sense. And then you look at the Raptors now and, I think the biggest thing with them is just the inconsistencies during the season and, you know, now trying to really get their rhythm, get their momentum under them, get their legs under them with Pirtle in the mix as well. And, you know, they're still battling injuries, right? You have Gary out, you have Will Barton out, and you still haven't been able to just mesh and get everybody together. Um, and I think that's been the biggest difference. But, you know, one thing, you, you know, I am pleased with when I look at this team is you have OG playing well. You have... Um, you know, Pascal had a tough night tonight, five for 15, but you're, you're getting Scotty playing some big time basketball, right? Flir- flirting with a triple double tonight, 29 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. You know, Fred is doing Fred like stuff in six assists tonight. Um, it, it, the, the, the important thing is, and I think we're all waiting um, and we're all hoping for it is that you can get all five of these guys, all eight of these guys. And when Gary comes back, like six or seven of these guys on the same page, clicking at the right time, because I think we it, the, the cats out of the bag with this team. It, it, their victories are by committee, right? Um, and yeah. you know when you have two or three guys that are lagging or two or three guys that are hurt, it really impacts this team. We see the voids, we see the misses. I think we've seen Gary's miss tonight, right? Not just his ability to make shots, but Gary's one of the guys that will get a deflection. Gary's one of the guys that makes a hustle play that changes the momentum of a game. So right now, I think with the last five games, the our hope and our I'm crossing my fingers and my toes is to get everybody healthy. All right, and that's got to be first and foremost. And it's it's not you know to sit and make an excuse because everybody's going through it in the season. Everybody has something, but I think this team more than ever is by committee. So you need a solid eight players that can contribute. You look at tonight, the you know the bench was outscored thirty four to seventeen, and and that's telling you. Yeah, the, the margin for error has been really small all year because of that lack of depth, which has made the the injuries feel so much worse too. Right, like. It, it just seems like when you look back at, at the Raptors season so far that they've been hit really, really hard with injuries. And there's been stretches, certainly, that have been difficult. But when, when you look at the league as a whole and where the Raptors stand in terms of man games lost, like they're, they're in the lower middle end of it. But the, the reason, as Javon mentioned, why it, it, the injuries really stand out is because when, when you subtract a rotation player from this team, that absence is glaring. And then certainly when there's been stretches where you're subtracting two or recently three guys, like that, that's really hard to overcome. Uh, so I, I agree. I, I just think that unless this team has the full complement of guys, you, you're really going to have to, you need somebody coming off that bench to step up. And the Raptors just didn't have that as much tonight. I mean, Boucher was solid. He's been pretty good here over the last few weeks, probably his best stretch of the season. But outside of that, I mean, the Raptors leaned heavily on their starters tonight, 40 plus minutes for four other five starters. You barely got anything from Precious Achua, Jeff Doughton, and then Christian Coloco uh, with his short stint at the end of the game, but or near the end of the game. But I, I Javon mentioned Scotty Barnes. I would say if we're talking about silver linings tonight, certainly Scotty and the way that he played, the way that he's played over the last few games, and even over the second half of the season, because I know a lot was made of his slow start to the year, and that had a lot to do with the Raptors' slow start to the year. But in the same way, I mean, last season we felt this as well, where it's like, 
whatever happens, wh- however the Raptors fa- fare, and they, they did well last year in the end, but that was all gravy, I think, to the main question, which was, how is Scotty going to develop? He won Rookie of the Year last year, and I think a lot of people, in large part because of that, felt good uh, uh, about the season. Whereas this year, we don't know how it's going to end, and it's probably at least based so far on, on what's happened, it, it, it's probably going to fall short of expectations. But if in the end we can look back and say that Barnes developed and, and got better as the season went on and, and is in a good spot going into his third year, it's a bit of a victory in and of itself, right? Yeah, and I, I, you know, just to add to that, I think as much criticism as, as Barnes took early in this year, there's, there's going to be a positive for me to take away from this. You can talk about his numbers and when he plays well, great, right? Plays all over the court. Like you, you see tonight, can pass the basketball, rebound the basketball, can score the basketball with the best of them. But for me, it's the, it's the presence that he has amongst his team, right? When, when, Pesca, oh, excuse me, when Scotty's playing well, we feel him, right? We're not even in the arena and we're here in studio. But the game that Scotty just felt, I, I could feel the impact that he's had on this team today. And he has this infectious personality. I always say that that's his biggest skill set is how he can impact the guys around him, how he can energize them, how he can invigorate them. And for me, it's he makes his teammates better, right? And, and I, could that be because he passes the basketball well, he can attract attention and gets guys open shots. But when he gets guys shots, they knock him down. He's getting as excited for his teammates as he is when he gets a, a big-time dunk, right? So I think there's a lot to be said about who Scotty is and, you know, he took a lot of a lot of flack early, and we've got to we've got to understand how to evaluate him. Who is Scotty? And when to see Scotty's progressions to me is, I also have to evaluate the players around him because he's making them better. He's moving that needle, and I think that's how he sees himself. Like he he sees himself as a point guard. He sees himself as a point forward. So it's not just about his shooting percentages. For me, don't I don't care about what Scotty shoots from three. There's a lot of times where Scotty misses chippies at the at the around the rim, and that's just focus, right? If he gets back, if he continues to play that brand of basketball, where he's focused, he's locked in on the defensive end, and he can flirt with a triple double every night. I don't care what Scotty shoots from three, right? Because he's doing his job and he's making the guys around him better. So I think you know we're seeing his progression, we're seeing his maturity, and I, and that's important, especially at this time of the season when every one of these games that this team plays is a must-win situation. He, he's well, learning and, and he's growing and, and you're right. Like we can, we can see it game to game in two areas specifically. Cause I think with young players, the two things that you often can, can see is they're, they're learning on the fly in terms of making decisions on the floor, decision making, cutting back on turnovers and mistakes and all of that. He's, he's got 20 assists over the last two games and just two turnovers. So I, I think that that's one area where we've seen the improvement, but then also in terms of consistency. And we always hear that with young players is the, the peaks and the valleys. They've got nights where, for whatever reason, they're just not fully engaged and locked in. I think we saw that early in the year, even from quarter to quarter with Scotty. But as the year has gone on, there's been fewer of those lulls. Even over the last couple of games, we've seen fourth quarter Scotty in the first quarter. Yeah. So I, I think we're seeing that progression from him. And I, I mean, I, I go back to, there was something that Nick Nurse said during training camp. And actually he said it a few times whenever he was asked about Barnes and expectations going into his sophomore year. He kept talking about the the effort level. And, and as long as Scotty is playing hard, doing what he does on the floor every night, every quarter, every game, he's going to be fine. And it was almost like foreshadowing because, as I said, I, I, early in the year, I'm not sure that we saw his motor at 100 at all times. But 
more and more now. It's at that level. And that's where it needs to be because for a guy that relies so much on it, and this isn't always going to be the case as he adds that three-point shot and really develops his game in that way, adds a few things here and there. But right now, I think Scotty is at his best when he is at 100, when that effort level is really, really high. So when it's not quite at that level, I think that's really noticeable and that's really glaring too. But we haven't seen, that hasn't been the case so much recently. Yeah, at, at 21 years old, second year in the league, your only responsibility is to is to play hard every play, every possession. Yeah. You know, your intensity's got to be at its highest every single time you step on that court. And I think that's the biggest point we've seen in his development right now. You've come to it. Let's not forget, you know, sometimes we put too much pressure on Scotty's shoulders. This team has a future player. This team has a Pascal Siakam, has an all-star, has a Fred Van Fleet, has guys that won championships. Those are the veterans. Those are the leaders of this team, right? He's still supposed to get out there and learn. His sole responsibility right now, and in fact, he's exceeding it, he's supposed to go out there and just play intense and compete every minute he's out there. Well, look, let's end on this. I mean, tonight uh, there was that play where Coloco got called for fouling Embiid, and seconds before, Embiid had contacted uh, Barnes' left wrist. It, he was in such a grimace that everybody thought the contact was a little further south than the left wrist, <laughs> but it was the left wrist. Then when he's down and people try to pick him up, they go to the right hand. They they don't even touch that, so he's playing hurt. Yeah, he, he's definitely playing banged up. And you know what, Taddy? Everybody is at this point in the season, yeah. and I, for me – yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just happy and excited to see that he's out there and fighting through. How many times have we seen him, you know, really hold on to that wrist and, and grimace a bit holding it? So it just tells me he's tough. He's a warrior. Uh, but I, I actually like on that same play you mentioned it, Coloco taking that hard foul. I think he's yeah. seen when when Scotty got tied up and he was a little tired of MB throwing those elbows and and knocking his guys out. Well, listen, I'm going to take a hard foul. I'm going to throw him to the floor and send a message a bit. I respected that from Coloco. Yeah, I mean, a little too little too late in that regard. I think Nick Nurse would have liked to see some of that in the first half. That's what you need to do against teams like Philadelphia. And obviously, one of the reasons why the Raptors have had success against the Sixers and Joel Embiid specifically in the past is you have to kind of set the tone in terms of that intimidation factor, letting the other team know that this isn't going to be a walk in the park, a cakewalk, an easy night. And for the Sixers, we talked about this a lot at halftime, everything was way too easy in that first half. It certainly was. And, uh, Javon, thanks for hanging around. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 117-110 is the final score. This is Raptors Game Night on TSN 1050. Raptors Game Night. Chip Taddy and Josh Lewinberg with you, Josh, as we look at the out-of-town scoreboard. The loss doesn't make quite the dent that it could have. Nets 124-107 over the Hawks is done. Uh, the Wizards lost 116-109 to Orlando. And uh, Chicago has defeated the Hornets 121-91. So Chicago uh, is a bit of an issue. But uh, nonetheless, it was still a pretty good night for the Raptors considering that they were defeated. Well, Brooklyn does them a, a little bit of a favor for sure in, in beating Atlanta. <laughs> and the, the, I mean, the Hawks have been a definition of treading water for a while. I think this is now 31 games in a row where they've been within one game of 500. So for them, it's like lose one, win one, lose one, win two, you know? So it, 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 it cuts both ways, right? On one hand, if you're the Raptors, you're, you're fortunate and you're happy that the Hawks didn't win tonight. 
But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if, if they're not going to separate themselves, all it would take here if you're the Raptors is you, you go on a bit of a run and string some wins together, as they've been doing up until tonight, and, and there's your opportunity. And once again, this sort of feels like a missed opportunity. With the Hawks losing... A Raptors win tonight, and all of a sudden, they've got eighth to themselves. It's no longer a tie, and as we know, the Hawks have the tiebreaker. So even though they have the same record tonight, again, uh, it, it is the Hawks that are still technically in eighth via that tiebreaker. And yeah, I, I mean, what was already a very tight play-in race in the Eastern Conference got even tighter tonight now with Chicago winning. They're just a game back, and they've actually got a game in hand. They've played one game fewer than both the Raptors and the Hawks. And Miami a couple games up for, for seventh place, and, and I, I mean, they've been struggling recently too. They've lost three games in a row, which has kind of given Atlanta and Toronto a, a some some hope that maybe they can climb to that coveted seventh place. But again, with, with the losses today and now just five games left for the Raptors and the Hawks, who both have difficult remaining schedules, by the way, uh, that that's going to be tough. But I I really think even if you even if seventh is out of reach for both of those teams, the difference in this conference between finishing eighth and finishing ninth is massive. It's the difference between having a second shot at making the playoffs versus having one shot, right? Like if you're yep. ninth, you've got to win twice. You've got to yep. beat 10th and then you've got to beat the loser of seven, eight. Whereas if you're eight, you've got two shots to do it. You've got two games. You only need to win one. And that second game comes at home. And we know the Raptors are a much different team at home than they are on the road. We saw it again tonight. Yeah, so then we, we cut to the, the next story, which is the funky ending schedule for the Raptors. Yeah. Two in Charlotte and two in Boston. I mean, you know, I, I don't think they have the worst uh, schedule that way, but it's close to the top with the back-to-backs against the team. It, it just, uh, it's, it's a tough finish. It, it is. It, it's certainly among the toughest remaining schedules in the NBA for a few reasons. One, they have five of their final six games, including tonight, were on the road. Now they... they Still have four more to play on the road where they've lost seven of their last eight games. And again, really struggled all year long. And then those last three games, it doesn't get much more daunting than that against the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. The two games in Boston, and then you come home to play Milwaukee. And the hope is that by that point, maybe those teams have their seating locked up. I mean, the fact that Philadelphia wins tonight isn't great for the Raptors for a few reasons. But the, the other reason is that the Sixers now creep even closer to Boston, which means that Boston still has something to play for. So if they're not resting their guys over those last few games of the season, those games are going to be really tough, meaning you you basically have to win those two games in Charlotte, which at one point would have been like, all right, well, yeah, that, that, that looks pretty good. I like the chances of that. But the Hornets, with the exception of the loss today to Chicago, the Hornets have sort of relished this role of playing spoiler recently they've been playing much better and with the way the Raptors have been playing on the road I don't know that you can feel super confident going into any building that isn't Scotiabank Arena so it's going to be interesting as I said the Hawks have a really tough remaining schedule as well so yeah I mean every one of these games is crucial at this point 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, so is the health. So Gary Trent Jr. has to come back. It's, it's hard to, uh, you know, I think we, we nailed that in the, in the previous segment. There are no margins in this team. Everybody has to be healthy and everybody has to be playing to their ability. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough night. And, and you add to all of those things what we'll now call the elephant in the room, the Nick Nurse situation, his uncertain future, yeah. because he, he talked about it. Doug Smith of Toronto Star reported yesterday that, Nurse's future, of course, with the team, bit uncertain right now. Not sure if he'll be back next year and, and also tied him to potential Houston Rockets job and maybe Ime Udoka replacing him in Toronto. In terms of what I've heard over the last 24 hours or so, or even dating back the last couple weeks, is that Nurse is looking for a long-term commitment from the Raptors. His contract is up at the end of next season and what I'm hearing is he has no intention of going into next year as a lame duck coach and his words before the game today would reflect that as well. He had an opportunity today to pour cold water on this and say, not an issue, I'm committed to the team, we'll deal with the future in the future and he didn't say that. To to paraphrase, he talked about assessing things in the off season and I really think right now with everything at stake, that could be another potential distraction for a team that's had to deal with a lot of distractions this year. Absolutely. Josh, thanks very much. This is Raptors Game Night on TSN 1050. Philadelphia wins at 117-110. Join us Sunday afternoon at 1230 when the Raptors open their two games in Charlotte. And join us tomorrow night at 6 for Maple Leaf action as the Leafs are visiting Ottawa. Thanks for joining us on Leafs Game Night on TSN 1050.